How are you doing today? That's the question I asked myself today as I've been struggling with some emotions over the past few weeks. So maybe take a moment before you listen to this episode, just pause and say, you know, hey, how am I really doing? How am I feeling today? Take a, take a break from the, the busyness. Ask yourself that question. The, the episode that you're about to listen to is, is the first part of two. In this first episode, we're going to dig into this idea of what is a sailor, someone who lets things push them, lets the kind of the world flow to them, versus a rower. Neither is good or bad. It's just identifying what those are. And then um, the importance of building through community and surrounding yourself with people that create tension so that you actually, you can actually see your blind spots for this. So this first episode is really about that. I wanted to keep it short and sweet, 30 minutes. And so the three guests that I have on, I have Jason Jagger, Janet Breitenbach, and David Gerber. They are three of the top executive coaches from Novus Global. Uh, Novus, if you, have, if you haven't heard of them before, it's a community of elite executive coaches, and they're pursuing coaching mastery together. They serve the world's best leaders and teams to go beyond high performance. Now, in addition to being the elite coaches there, they are also faculty members of what's called the Meta Performance Institute. And uh, this is a non-traditional incubator for world-class coaching, leadership, and management. So all of that to say, these three are really, really experienced with working with individuals like yourself and helping them get to a place of peak performance. But again, through alignment. It's not about accomplishing more per se. So I hope you find value in this episode. It's the first of two. Let's get at it. Talk soon. Yeah. Okay. And walked, ran, ran by. Ran by. Walked by. Drove, Drove by. by. Yes, yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're talking about rowing. We're talking about sailing. High-quality people today, <laughs> only high-quality. Listen, Janet's expertise is not modes of transportation. It is not <laughs> modes of transportation. So you guys are, you're, you're three of the top coaches from Novus Global. And as we pre- prepare for this episode, you're also three faculty members of the Meta Performance Institute, which is a non-traditional incubator for world-class coaching, leadership, and management. So it's safe to say that you guys are have a good sense of lots of different types of humans and how they approach the world and what makes them tick, and more importantly, how you can help them tweak little levers in their lives to do more, have more peace, be happier, fill in the blank. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, I like that. You like, I like that? that Janet, actually, let me, a lot. <laughs> yeah, let me let me kick it. Actually, Janet and Gerber like. What percent of our work do you think is like universals where everyone's the same? And what percent do you think is like tailoring and, and really hearing about the uniqueness? Because it's both are important, you know? Yeah, well, because I do think that there's this tension, this dance of, uh, you know, I was I had a call with one of our apprentice coaches this morning and I was talking to him about the, the different styles of learning that each apprentice coach that we've seen over time. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like we're starting to develop a real sense of, not only for our clients, but even for different types of coaches that come through the Hmm. ways that they learn their personalities, where they drift, what their right hand dribble, left hand dribble is, so to speak, meaning what, what, where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are. Um, 
And so one of the things that I've been really excited that we're building at the Institute is uh, different levels and layers of learning so that if you come in and let's say you're a more strategic thinker and your left-hand dribble is really holding space for the, the heart work, the soul coaching, and, or you come in and, and you really love the insights and the soul coaching and the belief systems and all of that stuff. But when it comes to holding space for a client to get clear and specific and strategic, that is, is like, whoa, I don't, I don't know where to go there. You know, we have the different levels to help coaches develop that strength. So I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, um, that's, good. that's what I came to mind. That. One thing that stood out to me <clears throat> as we were preparing for this episode, and I, I and I actually, I want, I'm going to, I want to jump right into kind of the heart of this, but the reason I like having the three of you on here is Jason, as you were talking that the way that you guys approach working with your clients, and I'm going to call them humans, the way you work with humans is the analogy you said was like, is like jazz musicians. So here you've got Novus Global and you've got these elite coaches that are going in and supporting these humans, but you guys work with them in tandem. So you know, if you're not familiar with jazz music, these musicians are masters in their craft and each of them as they are playing, they're listening. It's a key word, right? They're listening. And based on what happens, that jazz musician will then adjust or, implement, or, 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 or um, you know, improvise and respond. And that's what's beautiful about jazz mu music if you really listen to it, if, if, if you haven't listened to it before. So that analogy really... I thought that was really beautiful that you guys are working in such a beautiful, organic way with the humans that you support, um, which I thought was, was really cool because now we can have the three of you on this episode. So I want to I, I, I want to I want to get into before we even get into like these kind of key themes that that I think are important around you know this idea of you know uh, uh, sailing versus rowing. Right, we're going to come back to that. I want to give the listener just a sense of how you guys view the world. So yeah. I think in, I think what would help them do that and try to keep this as concise as possible, and I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I want each of you to maybe t tell about you know, maybe who are the two humans that you learn from today or that have impacted the, your lens of reality, how you view the world. Because I think that's going to be really important as we jump into some of the recommendations that you're, you're, you're providing. So, yeah. So who, who are some of our influences? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a fun question. <laughs> Woo. Um, so I think probably it should be said that influences don't equal endorsements. Mm. So, just as a, a, a frame of reference, cause that'll get you canceled these days. But, uh, anyhow, the, I would say briefly, I was heavily influenced by a guy named Earl McManus, who's a pastor at a church called Mosaic. He uh, influenced a lot of how I see leadership and see the world and see the intersection of creativity and work. Uh, and then you've got the usual suspects, I think, for me in the coaching world. So like there's a guy named Warner Earhart, uh, who was very popular in the 70s and 80s. And, um, and you know, I've, I've been able to go to Cancun and get coached a little bit by him and his folks. And, and so uh, those, I think, were, I would say are two are probably the people who have influenced me the most. Gerber, how about you? Uh, so I'll, I'll speak more recently just for fun, uh, just to kind of throw some, some, maybe some curveballs in here. Yeah. So most recently I've been, I've been influenced a lot by a guy named Boyd Vardy, who is a, a semi-famous lion tracker in, in yes, South Africa. Yes. I heard that. Uh, uh, sorry. I, I, I want you to finish, but I heard that his episode. <laughs> Tim Ferriss. So good. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I really, really enjoy his work, and uh, keep thinking of ways I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, convince him to be an, like to let me be an apprentice of his at some point. That's my uh, one of my one of my kind of ridiculous goals right now. And and so and then I would say the other one that comes to mind for me offhand is Joseph Campbell, um, who is a crazy. It's crazy how unknown he is, but he was a huge influencer basically in the story arc of every Hollywood movie, and particularly with Star Wars. And I just love kind of like I mentioned with my TEDx talk with uh, this idea of dancing with your dragons rather than defeating them. Mm. Uh, that's a huge foil for how I see the world. Mm. Mm. Janet, what about you? That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I'll throw in some different names. So yeah, there's a lot of, if you were to, to hop in our world, you'll, you'll hear a lot of the same authors and coaches who have uh, greatly inspired a lot of the tools and, and things that we do. But actually, who came to mind is Andy Stanley when it comes to leadership. Um, mm. I think a lot of Andy Stanley, um, Brene Brown, of course, her work on vulnerability uh, and wholeheartedness. Uh, Byron Katie is one of my favorite coaches. Uh, Gerber actually had a chance to do one of her uh, conferences. Mm. Um, uh, and when it comes to like leadership culture, team culture, uh, uh, I think of Ray Dalio. Um, mm. uh, a lot of his work has really influenced how we uh, support teams, not just individuals, but teams and help them to build cultures with radical levels of candor and curiosity and feedback cultures. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very inspired by by that as well. Uh, have you have you read Changing World Order? Yeah. Oh, I have, I have not, <laughs> I have not, I've not done, I've, uh, I've done, I've read principles. Um, he also, uh, I don't, I haven't read through this. I have it somewhere in the house at an elephant, uh, gift exchange Christmas party. Actually, I got the, I got the kids version. There's like a kids version <laughs> of principles. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, one day I hope to, to give that to my kid. <laughs> <That's, laughs> that's nighttime reading. That's nighttime reading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. Warm up some milk. So this is beautiful. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hearing from all three of you. You've got we've got aspects of leadership and, and what drives uh, great leadership and great you know great company culture. We've got aspects of honestly mythology and how those themes kind of thread the, the, throughout both culture and business. With the, with the Joseph Campbell stuff. We've got heart led leadership. Brene Brown. So this is mm -hmm. this is beautiful. Um, all right. So let's get into this first topic that that jason you you kind of you dropped this nugget with me and I, I think before we even get into this i want to set context for the listener the this idea of sailing versus rowing was jason's response to me kind of pushing back and saying jason i'm tired of this hustle culture we have humans that are we're overly stimulated we've got devices in our hands all the fucking time um we've got family things we've got everything going around the world, all this intensity is coming at us. We don't even know how to rest. And we have people who are coming out and saying, step up, do more, you can do this. And I think a lot of humans are getting to this point where like, I can't do anymore. And so when I pushed back on you, you're like, hey, Nathan, we come at it from this different place where this analogy of sailing versus rowing. So what does that mean? And Jason, you can answer that. Gerber, Janet, uh, you know, tell me, what does, that, what does that concept mean to you? You want me to do like a brief intro and then we can play with yeah. it together? The, um, I wasn't talking to you, Nathan. I was... <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's 
great. If you're if you're listening to this, Nathan's putting his hand up on the camera. So. I don't know. I'll, I'll just sit quietly. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, so briefly, we we talk about this in our book. We have a whole chapter on energy, and it's, it, it might be my favorite chapter. Uh, there's 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 uh, I think we talk about Gerber in that chapter. I think Janet we we feature her story in another chapter, but we we discovered that. People are different, kind of what we were talking about earlier. People have a different orientation to to energy and to passion and to to work. And so, what we noticed was some people are like sailors, and and they probably resonate with the Grant Cardone style. Like they they like the hustle, they like to work hard, they like to to grab the oars and put them in the water. And and if it's you know if it's not hard, it's not fun. You know, and why do you climb the mountain? Because it's there, and and <laughs> yeah. you know that kind of deal. And and you know those people are great, and they offer a lot of value to the world. And and then there then are people who are more like uh, sailors, and they're great too. And and they they like wor- like words like organic and natural and authentic. And and they're more like the artist, and they want to hoist the sail up. And and you know they uh, find really natural ways of creating in the world, and they experience a lot of serendipity because the wind takes you. You know they didn't they didn't force anything, they didn't do anything. They just the wind came, and suddenly magic was happening and and so they're a little more mystical Mm. and both of those by the way are fantastic but both of them also have downsides you know so the the uh the rower has the downside of um burning out you know like rowing too hard and then your muscles like you do have limits everybody does uh at, at the firm we believe that people have limits we just think that people are really bad at discerning what those are and so uh and 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 you never discern what they are outside of the context of community. And, and so, but th- there's a, there's a, there's a struggle there. And so they, they burn out and they, then they <laughs> pass out or whatever. Then you have uh, sailors. Of course, the downside to sailors is sometimes the wind doesn't blow. <laughs> and so you're just sitting there and sometimes the wind never comes and then you just starve, <laughs> you know, then you just, <laughs> and that's, that's why you have like this, you know, the starving artist, you know, so you've got the like wall street bros who are like, you know, crushing uh red bull cans in their foreheads and you know maybe that's not who we want to be and then you also have like the starving artist who feels like people don't get their work Mm. when in the reality is they don't work you know and and so you those two different different approaches and and what we advocate for in the firm is to find uh, a way of learning how to row and sail which and janet had a great metaphor of you know dribbling with your opposite hand uh, there are lots of things in the world where your uniqueness dominates and you want to customize it to your uniqueness and, and you don't want to be, you know, uh, ambidextrous when it comes to energy. That's not one of those things. We actually want to invite people into becoming ambidextrous. So to the, to the rowers, we want to invite them to sail, to learn how to sail as a way of rest and rejuvenation. And, and it doesn't always have to be hard. And then with sailors, we want to invite them to row and pick up an oar and, and not just learn how to work, but learn how to work smart, you know, uh, learn how to work strategically, learn how to work, the game or the system, the things that they, they judge rowers for. And that's, that's the paradigm that we, that we relate, relate to. Is that where you you mentioned this phrase of people have a hard time discerning their own limits. Is that what you're referring to? The kind of these unique perspectives of whether I'm a vo- vo- rower or a sailor, I still might struggle with discerning my limits. How do we, how do we go about discerning those limits? Mm-hmm. How do we discern? So, I mean, I think that the main question I ask people oftentimes is have you ever done something you didn't think you could do? And rarely does somebody, once in a while, somebody's like, yeah, I've never done that. Mm. Uh, but most <laughs> times people have, they're like, man, when they think about their life, they've 
they've multiple times done something that they previously thought was impossible, or they didn't simply didn't know that they could do it. And, and so then what that tells me essentially and, and plants a seed in their mind of, oh, wow, I wonder what else I'm assuming right now that I can't do that in the future I will be able to do. And so I think when people, we talk about discerning limits is people just, just don't know. We really don't know what we're capable of um, in terms of that could be an Ironman, that could be uh, building and selling a company, that could be raising an incredible family. Uh, so it's, there's so many things that we just don't think about. And then we put these artificial limits on as a way to protect ourselves from taking the risks, uh, potentially failing, facing rejection on the pathway to get there. Yeah. Which, which I, you know, is this is, that's not new to, I think most people, right? This idea that we don't, we have set limits. I, I would venture to guess that's a pretty common understanding. Mm-hmm. Let's go one level deeper. Like, yep. so what? Right. So it's, it's, like I, I would the, let's just make this assumption that the majority of a population is already well under aware, aware of that, right? It, it, you come come uh, come January first, you know I'm, I'm setting a goal, and then yeah. you know we all we all the majority of us don't accomplish those goals, or or, or mm-hmm. so I, so I'm like trying to get like below that, so we have that understanding yeah. that there's limits, but so what? That then what? Well, I, I mean, the, the, the question for me is, is do you want to explore transcending those limits? Mm. And if so, to what, to what end? Like, why would you want to do that? So one of my favorite things to get at is, is uh, I don't know if I want to, like, there's an exercise I, I have called the top 10 in a thousand days, where I really invite people to just brainstorm and dream in the absurdities of what your life could look like a thousand days from now. Mm-hmm. And, and I push people to like, let's just make that list absurd because I want to see what actually lights them up because if they're going to uh, embrace, like uh, go into their fears or into their limiting beliefs or into their, what they think, yeah, I realize I'm I'm limiting myself in ways that I don't realize. I like to know, and I find it helps a ton with the clients to know why the heck am I going to do that? Yeah. Uh, And so uh, I'll stop there and and let Jason and Janet throw in um, as well. Yeah, Jenny, you want to get, jump in? Well, well, I'm still actually thinking, Nathan, about what you asked Jason earlier about um, uh, finding our own limits and then thinking of what Jason said about uh, it happens within community. Um, and first of all, yeah, it, it doesn't, finding our limits for the sake of finding our limits doesn't matter, right? Hmm. So I think when we're just like looking for all my blind spots or all my limitations, like that's just masochism, hmm. you know? Um, it's like for the purpose of what, and, and most most people, when I have an initial conversation with them, they're very unclear. So to Gerber's point, on what they actually want. Hmm. Uh, so they're living in this kind of disempowered world of what they think they should be doing, which contributes to hustle culture. Mm-hmm. You know, um, right. so then it's it's like, do I actually know what I want? Uh, and then I'm just thinking about finding limitations within community. I remember when I was a solopreneur coach before uh, I hopped on and joined the firm with Jason. Uh, you know, it's so easy when you're not in the context of community to get high on your own supply. Huh. You know, all I see is my strengths mm. and how I think things should be done. Mm. And I'm looking around thinking, gosh, I, why don't other people figure out this? But then I don't understand why I can't just get to that next level. And when you're in community, it's just really hard to hide. (laughs) It's really hard to hide 
how your particular flavor of getting in your own way, how that's showing up. What are, what are some good communities, <clears throat> like some, some actionable things people can do to, to get community? We've got masterminds, which are big. We've got, you know, uh, meetup groups and locally, but what, what, what else? Yeah, well, there's probably quite a few ways. I think the first thing is like, is helping people understand the power of it. Because I, I, I was just talking to someone uh, a few weeks ago who they were calling because they were, they were lonely. They felt, you know, thinking of that principle of uh, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most mm -hmm. time with. Uh, and that hit them. And they were like, I don't, I'm looking around. I'm not inspired by any of my friends. Uh, you know, we're all just kind of pulling each other down. Uh, you know, that it's, it's, I'm the sum of the five people around me. And that is the truth in, in, in a not so great mm. way. Um, and once I started to, so this is what's interesting. I started to give them suggestions and for someone, if they haven't knocked down that belief that it's a waste of time, it doesn't matter how many great suggestions I can give mm -hmm. them. Like, hey, why don't you try go join that that coaching group where there's a there's a three day seminar where you can network with other like minded people. Oh, that's too far away. Oh, I don't have the money for that right now. Oh well, I have this thing. I just you know I just yeah. need to I just need to get that new job and then I can do it. This is why in the coaching world it's dangerous to consult to give people suggestions. So I could, I think once you go like, I am, I am committed to a lifestyle and to a life where I'm surrounding myself by powerful people, by people that inspire me, by people that are honest with me, then you will find it. You will figure it out. <laughs> you will Google meetups. You will ask 10 of your friends like, Hey, what are, uh, networking groups, what are community groups, what churches are local to me, what nonprofits are doing volunteer work that I find. There's a million different ways that you can find it. But until you actually have a overall vision for your life that I want to surround myself by inspiring people, I want a rich, dynamic community of, of thinkers where we can have honest debate and conversation. That's the, the how is never going to, going to unfold. So let's, I, this gets me excited because what I'm hearing, we've got these, these, these threads that I want to pull, right? This, this idea, Gerber, you talked a little bit about this and Janet, you did too. That what I'm hearing is getting clear on the, the why before the how, um, Janet, I've heard you talk on, on, on stage about vision. Um, Jason, you've talked about that as well. So let's like, let's keep like unfolding here. Cause I can tell you personally, my, I have come to many points in my life recently where the why has not been clear, where I felt like I'm not dreaming because I go back to the why and it's like, well, I just don't care. Like, it's just like, yeah, I don't care. And I haven't yeah. been able to fully figure out how to move past that. I don't care. Um, yeah. so I'm curious if you guys have any, any, any guidance for someone who's at that point where they're wanting to, yeah. to, to envision something, but that vision is quite frankly, what culture has given us, right? Oh, oh I should have this yeah. house. I should have this. Like, how do we, how do we get, how do yeah. we, how do they get clear on the why before? 
So I kind of want to, as a game, to see if Gerber and I are thinking of the same thing. Because, <laughs> uh, so David, you go first. I want to see. Uh, okay, well, what, only yeah. you'll know. Uh, well, Jason and I actually were talking about this a few weeks ago as mm. part of what we do with clients. Some of us is we sometimes will build like an immersion day or some sort of experience into the coaching. So not just like Zoom coaching over Zoom, uh, sorry, not just coaching over Zoom, but try to think of experiences that people don't yet know that they want to value. I'm gonna say that again. So like experiences that people don't yet know that they want to value. So for example, yeah. so, so with what you're saying, Nathan, I've been through that. I know I talked with Jason and Janet during seasons of life where we didn't understand our why. And, and it's, and it's not an easy thing. Um, Cause like you said, culture kind of throws you at like, you should want more money. You should want that, that car. You should want that house. You should want that, that trip. But then, we keep doing all these things, which is sometimes really, really fun and, and exciting. And sometimes there's, we want to build that out more. So for instance, with Jason and I, what we're dreaming about right now and is, is uh, we've done collaborative work with an organization called World Vision, which does incredible work throughout the world with uh, they, their, their focus is on serving the world's most vulnerable children. And they do incredible work in that space. And so Jason and I are thinking about how do we, how do we take clients on trips where they get to see really like parts of the world where people live seven hours outside of any major city and they have no electricity and no running water and like infant mortality is still very much a thing. Yeah. Um, so like something like that, from that to Jason and I and Janet all have been into maximum security prisons in California where we get the opportunity to, to, to share our gifts with, with people there that are, that are in prison and we get to share coaching gifts with them and, and executive coaching and business coaching but we also receive probably 10x from them of the experience of that. It's, a, and it's an experience I didn't know that I valued. Um, and so I think it's combining not only this, like the money and the cars and the whatever that people value in terms of material things, but also experientially, what is it we're actually craving? And I think it's this idea that my, that my life actually matters, but it's not just mattering. So like I go into a prison and help somebody, but it's like I receive from that as well or I go to a third world country and, and quote unquote give, but I, I realize I've got a lot to receive there and I have a lot to learn about how somebody lives that doesn't have running water or electricity. So, yeah. you're, so you're saying the act of, well, I'll just say giving or serving gives you a wider perspective around what it, what, it helps you understand why what you're doing has meaning. I, I think it's hard to separate those for me because yeah. I've seen, you know, we've all worked with people and been around people that are incredibly wealthy by the world standards, if you will. They have millions yeah. or maybe billions of dollars, yeah. yet they're, they're as unhappy as any, any, like other people that I know that are incredibly unhappy. And so I, I remember just sitting there kind of after times I've talked to people like that and thought, how is this person unhappy? And it's kind of like that Jim, Jim, uh, maybe like that Jim Carrey famous quote about like, man, I wish everybody could have this yeah. so that they could realize that the thing that they think that they're chasing in and of itself won't satisfy. Now that, not that it's like bad to go after that, but if you don't round it out with some other things that involve giving, serving generosity, uh, and even the, the ability to receive from the people you think you're being generous to, mm. you're going to miss a lot of things. Mm. Yeah. And before we pivot to Janet, to add to that. This is what I meant at the beginning in terms of what are the universals? Yeah. And we, we come at it with a belief that everyone was actually designed to give. Everyone was designed to be generous. Everyone was designed to serve in some way. Uh, other people, especially people who don't have as much or um, aren't as uh, privileged as they are or come from the same backgrounds as they do. 
And so there is, when we're talking about energy management or even passion, which is, I think, a little bit what we're talking about, mm -hmm. uh, the word passion comes from the Latin passio, which means to suffer. And so most, it's a complicated thing because most people are looking for fulfillment, but they don't want to suffer in order to get it. And the more you detach suffering from fulfillment, the less uh, suffering, or, or sorry, the less fulfillment you will have. And so uh, what Gerber's saying is, hey, like, because when Gerber and I go to Southeast Asia to work with World Vision, it's a long ass trip. Uh, we're not getting paid. It's hot, <laughs> you know, uh, dress codes are different. The, you know, indoor plumbing and everything is different. <laughs> there are, there's a degree, it's interesting. There's a degree of quote, like first world suffering. Uh, and it energizes, I can, I'll talk about Gerber behind his back. Like it energizes Gerber, like nothing else. He loves it, mm. lights him up. And so it is about, it is about saying, I was going to say, uh, you know, people, I think over index on hustling, but they under index on passion. And, but there oh is no experience of passion without suffering. Can you say, just, I want you almost to say that again, cause I want the yeah. listener, because like, I felt that in terms of, you said people are under on, they over index on suffer uh, on they over index on hustling and they under index on passion, man. That's good. Give, give uh, that makes sense to me, but that might be like, give me an example of what that looks like. Well, and if I was going to play the devil's advocate to myself, I'd say, yeah, but Jason, now we're just playing kind of rhetorical games. Like, okay, great. So I want to be more passionate. How do I be more passionate? And that's, you rewind the podcast and listen to Gerber's answer because that's what he answered. His answer to Nathan's question is, how do you develop passion? Which to tie it to Janet's thing, and I, I do want to hear what Janet was going to say, um, but it, there is a Janet's answer around, you know, find some place to volunteer find some place to plug in, find some place like she had breadcrumbs mm -hmm. in her answer mm -hmm. that are the breadcrumbs of wisdom saying, Hey, look, if you want to increase your passion, start finding things that you want to, and it can be small, but just start sacrificing for things. Mm. Yeah. And then as you sacrifice, that becomes a tuning fork, a tuning fork of sacrifice will then begin opening up excitement and, and joy, whether it's a soup kitchen or whether it's a volunteering for art. And, and then, sorry, the last thing I'll say, and Gerber's done a really good job of this. Actually, Janet has too, uh, is, uh, you know, Gerber loves nature. He loves it. And he loves safaris. He loves it. Lights him up, lights him up like nothing else. And he's already pretty lit up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and so Gerber, you want to, you want to share a little bit, um, what you're doing with, uh, your hockey player client as you're fiddling. You mean the Costa Rica trick trip or the yeah. potential safaris for that? Oh, actually, yeah, let's do the Costa Rica trip. Okay. So with, so one of my clients, I mean, it's, it's, this one's pretty simple is he just, the, the, he loves the work so much. And so he basically said, Hey, can we go to Costa Rica together and spend three or four days together doing this work, immersing ourselves? He's an athlete um, and he's in his off season right now. And so he really craves some more deep, deep immersiveness into that. Um, and we're going to spend time doing zip lining, adventuring, being out in nature and things like that. But my really, my, my, my next dream really is, is to take, uh, take clients on safaris, particularly doing line tracking with them, which is <laughs> with obviously yeah. reference back to Boyd Vardy, yeah. right? Where people are on foot, you know, looking for lions and, and, and just being able to observe them at, at that level, not in a vehicle, because I want, because it, it with, with, particularly with athletes and this is with executives as well, is see what happens when you're put in a, a scenario where you never imagined being put into it. Um, and so anyway, that, uh, which is a great way, you know, coaching could be this, dr <laughs> this grind and coaching can be a grind. You know, if you've got like 30, 40 clients and you're coaching like five, six, seven hours a day, I means a few people who really love that. We actually have people in our firm who actually really yeah. love that. 
Gerber does not love that. He's he's got to find a way of bringing serendipity and and magic and, and adventure and danger to the coaching work outside of the danger of the client, you know, <laughs> being the client. And that's just how he's doing it, you know. And Janet, if I can brag about you for a second, Janet, you know, Janet is fiercely passionate. She loves love. She loves relationships. She she loves um, romance mm. and and marriage, you know, and and the beauty of that institution and the challenges of that institution. And so, you know, Janet could crank it out, but Janet, you want to tell people kind of how you've been customizing and 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 guiding your work? Yeah. Well, oh man, there's like 5,000 thoughts in my head. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, yeah, my, my sweet spot is I, I love uh, helping people develop healthy relationships. I love people developing healthy dating lives. Mm. Um, so I am actually writing a book right now on how to date better. Um, and how to get out of your own way and actually find the love that you want. Um, and I, so I realized like, what are the, when I asked myself, like, what are the moments where I'm just in flow? Mm -hmm. So like when you talk about artists that are in flow or what are my most fulfilling, happy times, it's, it's supporting people in that it's in community. So having deep connection and, and rich relationships in community, that's the thing that I'll, uh, you know, do for free. That's a thing that I'll, I'll make time for in a day. I had two people call me yesterday. And of course, now there's, there's pros and cons to that. I have to make sure to guard my time. Uh, because if I just let everyone who called me for relationship advice, yeah. uh, I'd be exhausted. Um, but it's, it's something that I, if I think back on my day, I'm like, oh, I had a good day today. It's because I supported someone in that. So I think whatever that is, I, when I ask clients, like, what's, think back on your life, what's the, the most fulfilling, energizing moment you've ever had? It's usually never, I was sitting on the couch watching Netflix. Uh, yeah. it's, it's usually I was taking a risk. Um, I was, uh, doing something uncomfortable. I was so to, to David's thing, like what are things, experiences that I don't know yet? You know, like it's, it's diving in to those things. I had, I had additional thoughts about that as well, but that's, that's what I've been up to as well. All right. Just a reminder, that is the end of one of two episodes. So tune in next week uh, in that, in this ep upcoming episode, excuse me, we really get into some of the blind spots that sailors have as well as rowers um, and unpack a little bit of this, 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 the, the myth of, of hustle culture, which is that it's not brave to pause. And uh, I'm excited for it. So take a listen next week. Until then, have a great day, a great week ahead. Talk to you soon.